Should general manager Nick Casario be under the microscope along with Lovey Smith and Pep Hamilton? You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Tuesday episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Texans Podcast is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. With promo code locked on. That's prospect.com. Promo code locked on. This is the Locked On Texans here with John, some sports guy Hickman, Cody Davis, your Texan beat reporter and writer, are here to discuss the Houston Texans. The, you know, it's just, it's so bad, guys. We talked about on yesterday's show how bad the energy was in the NRG stadium. And then Brandon K. Scott posted a video uh, just kind of circling around the uh stadium mm. that video was real that video was from sunday that video wasn't preseason that video was from <laughs> two days ago now and uh honestly that may be the saddest video of the year for the houston texans franchise but we got to talk about the future because mm. that is what this team is playing for with the potential number one pick on the line next week Lovey Smith did mention that they will be playing to win the game. And I respect that. I think that uh, if they get those three wins on the year, three is always better than two. You want to look competitive before you, you know, move into, into the offseason, which is something that Christian Kersey mentioned. They want to build off of what they can do positive this year, moving into next year. Lovey Smith also did mention that between Nick Casario and Cal McNair, they meet daily. Right, and not only do they meet daily, they all see better days ahead for the Houston Texans. So Cody's question is: Should Nick Casario be on the hot seat along with their head coach and their offensive coordinator? And I 100% believe that he should. And I'm looking at this from a standpoint of more so about what has taken place this year with the quarterback situation. Now, before I go into my whole entire thought process, I do want to mention this because if I don't, it's going to look like I'm being a little bit hypocritical. The Houston Texans, and I 100% stand by this decision that they did the right decision by giving Davis Mills a fair opportunity to showcase whether or not he could be the starting quarterback for this organization for not just in 2022, but possibly behind. You know, we always joked on here a lot throughout the offseason. Best case scenario, he ends up being your next franchise quarterback. Worst case scenario, he looks bad, and then you have to move on from him during the 2023 campaign, which is not that it's not that much of a bad idea given the fact that um CJ and Bryce both guys look damn good over the weekend and I would love to see neither one of either one of those guys be a part of the Houston Texans moving forward however John I go back to a statement that Nick Casario said it was the Saturday right after they traded Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans and they got that big draft capital back from the Cleveland Browns 
And I remember Nick Casario was asked whether or not he was going to add to the quarterback room. And at this time, they had just signed Kyle Allen. At this time, they had also just re-signed Jeff Driscoll. And then, of course, you had Davis Mills, who was by far quarterback number one. And I remember Nick Casario saying that he was fine with the talent that they have in that quarterback room. And everybody was a little bit on edge then because we all knew that this was an organization that wanted to go out there and compete this season. And they knew if Davis Mills doesn't pan out, the worst case scenario throughout the season is the fact that you're going to have to depend on a backup quarterback to actually help ease some of the bleeding. Unfortunately, we saw that this year. Your backup quarterback in Kyle Allen was a hell of a lot more terrible than the production that Davis Mills gave. And I'm looking at that from a standpoint that that should be counted against Nick Casario and his mismanagement of this team. Because had he went out there and got a competent backup quarterback, I do not believe that we would be sitting here talking about a Houston Texans organization that has only won two games this season. So when evaluating Nick Casario, I think that from from what we've been told, uh, we don't see Nick Casario being moved no, we don't. next year, right? And um, also I think we can make the same point for Lovey Smith, even though I think that Lovey Smith's job is in more jeopardy. I still believe that uh, Houston will bring him back, not Pip Hamilton. So I wanted to say that regardless of how we feel and how we are going to break down and analyze this thing, the feel around the franchise right now is both of the head coach and general manager will be back. Now, my question to you, Cody, and the listeners and viewers, and please comment on YouTube like you guys do all the time. What has been the biggest issue during the Nick Casario era? Getting quality players. Getting, it, skill, get, get, getting skilled players at, is, at, at is skilled that positions. the biggest problem or has it been two box head coaching searches like I think that's been the biggest problem when we when we really look at Nick Casario because when we look at players right regardless of how they handled the quarterback situation which in hindsight was a terrible decision which is a mark against him when he first got to Houston last year he tried Right, this was a team that didn't have a lot of money, had a lot of bad contracts already on the roster. And the same he tried this year. I mean, he did, you know, I thought he did better in free agency given what he could do, bringing in a Steven Nelson. Uh, in hindsight, um, Ogbo Okoronko has been playing very good football for the Houston Texans over the past Jerry five Hughes. games. Jerry Hughes has been playing very good for the Houston Texans. Mario Addison, when he got healthy, has played good for Houston. Bringing in Blake Cashman, he's had some moments for the Houston Texans uh, defensively. And I think that when we look at what Houston was able to do on the offensive side of the ball, that is where it's been questionable, more than questionable. Like, it's been outright bad, bad decision-making, bad play calling in the whole nine. So I think when we look at Nick Casario's biggest issues, it goes directly to coaching. The botch head coaching search when David Culley ended up as your guy a year later. Uh, botch head coaching search. This is the same coaching search where you could have possibly had a Kevin O'Connell, a Jonathan Gannon. If I, if my memory corrects me, I think Leslie Frazier was in the mix, whether it was last no, he, year or he, this Le- year. Leslie Frazier was in the first coaching in the first, so But he yeah. was still, I think, a more qualified candidate than David Cully. They've had some guys that 
when we look at this team, you would have loved to seen some of those other coaches, specifically the younger guys, with a, a roster like this with this team. And I think that is where we got to knock uh, on 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 Nick Asirio's door and say, hey, man, if we're being honest with you, you haven't been good in this area. I can't say the draft because when he got a full draft, Jalen Petrie, right? Derek Stingley, right? Damian Pierce, right? Uh, Christian Harris, right? John Metchie, who we haven't seen play NFL football, but a lot of expectations for a good wide receiver coming out of Alabama. Who may possibly play with his quarterback next year? We don't know how that's going to work. <laughs> but I, I do think that Nick Casario deserves to be mentioned, really sitting right next to Lovey Smith uh, in that hot seat because in two years under your leadership, only currently six wins. And those six wins, or better yet say it, those losses during the two years, a lot of that can point directly to the coaching, whether that have been the bad coaching and, and miscommunication and, and you know terrible errors from last season with David Cully, or specifically this year, right? You hire Lovey Smith, and then your decision to bump up Pep Hamilton to be the offensive coordinator when he was a passing game in office and a passing game coordinator and QB coach last year. These are all the decisions that if we have to put a face and a name on it, well, it's the guy with the blue sweater vest cut off, Nick Asirio. And I think those are grounds for a hot seat. Uh, honestly, I, Cody, you and I both feel the same way. Uh, if the season ended today or whenever it ends and we receive the notification or we're starting to hear things before it happens that Nick Asirio's job is in question and Cal McNair and the McNair family isn't happy with some of the things that he's been doing, then I think a lot of people understand you and I include him. Am I right or wrong? You're right. A lot of the listeners. So, uh, again, he has botched the two most important things, and that's getting a coach that can lead your franchise on the field in two years. And the reason why I believe that it won't be a third year with Levy Smith because I don't think he can afford it. If Levy Smith is fired after this year, not Pep Hamilton because I think that's a given and understandable. Um, but if Levy is moved on from this year, I'm on record by saying I think Nick Casario should also be opening the door with his bags in his right hand, door in his left hand, and say, okay, I'm going to see you out because I got to walk out too. We both out of the job. And while a lot of you are calling uh, for Nick Casario's job or there has been some people out there that would like to give him an extra opportunity, what I want to do is give you guys an opportunity of a lifetime, not really a lifetime, but it's a great opportunity with prize picks, the daily fantasies that has been made easy to make money off of. Listen, pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. And first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. So visit prospects.com. Make sure you use promo code locked on to receive your instant deposit match. Again, that is up to $100 with promo code locked on. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, on this Tuesday installment of Locked On Texans. And I want to continue this conversation of Nick Casario because, John, I believe that Nick Casario should be on the hot seat. I think there should be a fair evaluation for him in hopes of getting this organization 
back. I think the criticism in the right is direction. fair. Yeah, the, the the criticism is fair. However, and and this kind of goes hand in hand with how I feel about the coaching staff as well. How do you fairly evaluate Nick Casario as a general manager? Because I I have a complete one eighty mindset on how you are evaluating him. You know, you you say that you hold the two box coaching searches against him. And I understand that, but only to a certain extent, because as I said here a lot on this show, that you everyone knew what the situation was when he first took over as general manager. You go out and you hire David Cully, and everyone knew that David Cully was going to be a quote-unquote placeholding co- coach. I understand that. Um, but the when I start knocking him for the coaching search, it's more so the fact that, and I said this here a lot on this show, that it would have made more sense for the Texans to depart from David Cully if they felt that this team was ready to take a step forward with their rebuild. Unfortunately, they did not. They're regressing some aspects of it. And now that has put him and his franchise in a situation where you're going to be going into your third head coach or possibly going into your third head coaching search at the end of this season, probably more so by next Monday. But in terms of the talent or lack thereof, that is why I have the biggest issue with Nick Casario. Not in the draft, because if I could grade him due to his draft alone, I think he deserves like an A minus because he has put together some really good draft classes, especially this past year, which I do believe has the potential to go out, go down as this franchise's best collection of draftees. However, with all that being said, when you take a look at the amount of missed opportunities with the players going all the way back to last year with Anthony Miller, um, you take a look at the two wide receivers that did not get an opportunity to play, um, but both of the Johnsons. Like, there have been several times where I look at a situation, Marlon Mack to a certain extent. Yeah, hell, I'm even going to throw Shaq Lawson in there. The players that I just named, I understand that they were not going to help this team go from four wins to eight wins and two wins to seven wins or whatever the case might be. But those are players that would have allowed this team to play some competent football over the last two seasons, especially more so this year. Like what took place on, 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 on Sunday, the loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars for you to lose 31, nothing in your final home game, by the way, for the first time in franchise history, you go winless inside NRG Stadium. That is my biggest issue there. And like I mentioned in the first segment, even though it was great that you gave Davis Mills an opportunity to go out there and showcase whether or not he's the quarterback of the future, I felt he should have signed and should have landed a more competent quarterback just in case if Tom's got tough, you could replace him with some better production. Yeah, um, I, I, I kind of feel a little different on that. Um, I think this upcoming offseason is the offseason that can make or break Nick Casario. This offseason, you're going to have the money. You don't necessarily have to rework a lot of contracts or deals or uh, you don't necessarily have to, you know, kind of try to shuffle things and, you know, rock Peter to pay Paul. You got the money. On top of that, you have the draft capital, right? Uh, two first-round picks. Uh, you got a lot of good picks throughout the draft. Excuse me. So for Nick, 
I, I'm not going to look at again the 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 off season. I, I think there has been some missed opportunities. I know there's been some missed opportunities. Um, the biggest one of which is still mind-boggling to me: keeping Rex Burkhead over the likes of Marlon Mack and um, Eno Benjamin. Don't don't forget. <laughs> you know, you know, you know Benjamin. Uh, Royce Freeman was lost oh in the sauce for a long time here in Houston, back and forth on the practice squad. Uh, Tyrone and Tyler Johnson, like you meant you, the guys you mentioned, I think are rightfully. Uh, it's good to mention because those were missed opportunities, right? And not only were those missed opportunities, those were missed opportunities at positions that needed depth to be filled with somebody other than Brandon Cooks, Philip Dorsett, and Chris Moore, because that is a very lackluster core group, position group. And I want guys to realize Brandon Cooks does not run that speed no more. He's yeah, still he fast, but he's like normal. <laughs> he's like a four, four, five, four, six, four, seven fast. He he normal NFL fast. I ain't gonna say normal people fast because I'm pretty sure he's still a hell of a lot faster than you and I in the four. Yeah, I know, I know I'm cooked. <laughs> but uh again, evaluating Nick Casario, which is what we're doing right now, I, I would have to I, I would have to say in his two-year tenure. I would have to say a B minus. Hmm. And I say B minus because I think that the foundation for Houston is, is, you know, in terms of players that they've drafted. Um, I, I, I think specifically the 2022 draft, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, Derek Stingley. I think Kenyon Green is going to be okay. Jalen Petrie. Damian Pe- Like, look how good Christian Harris has been playing as of late. Uh, outside of Sunday, he was on a mean streak of playing some good football. And Christian Harris' play has helped elevate the other linebackers around him. So I think that when you have a draft class that can, in a couple of years, if this team is successful, you can look back and say, well, these pieces here helped us get to where we are. That's a good thing. Uh, And I also give him kudos for the Desmond King signing, the the, the decision to sign Steven Nelson, the decision to move on from Kamu Grugier Hill. That doesn't get talked about enough, I think, as it should, but that was a good move. When you do look back at the Anthony Millers of the world, when you look back at this year, the, the cuts between the Tyler Johnson and Tyrone Johnson, all of that is, I think, fair criticism. Then you mix that with two botch head coaching searches. Yeah, it looks bad. It looks bad. And, and, and again, going into this offseason, I think everybody needs to come to Jesus moment, which is kind of funny because the pastor, Jack Easton, is not in their building anymore. <laughs> but Joel Osteen, I'm pretty sure, could play that same role. Uh, it's right down the street. And, yeah, they need to come, come to Jesus moment and understand what it is this franchise is doing. Because, Cody, you cover the Houston Rockets, and we've talked about this franchise off record. And a good friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, you know, we talk about the Rockets. We are Rockets fans. Right? We love the Rockets. And it's not clear what the plan is for Houston Rockets. It's not necessarily clear in terms of coaching, uh, what do you want to do moving forward to add pieces. None of that is clear. And when I look at the Houston Texans, I don't think it's necessarily clear what this plan is. You want to you want to tank? You want to get the top picks in the draft? Okay, cool. But when you get those picks – i.e. like a Jacksonville Jaguars have been doing for nearly a decade until this year, 
And then they had that one special year where Blake Bortles and that amazing defense went to the AFC Championship game. There hasn't been a lot of precision of what their future should look like and what they're working towards. And that is what I'm afraid of right now. I think that they're just swinging and, and missing. Hmm. If I had to grade Nick Casario, I'm only going to go a tad below your, did you say B minus, correct? Uh, I would say B minus. Okay, I'm going to go a tap below and give him a C plus. Look, guys, and, y- you know, that. don't get me wrong. Nick Casario has done, you know, some great things. As I mentioned, John, you just mentioned the draft more so 2022. I'm still going to look at the 2021 and say that was a win, even though a lot of those guys went on a, a sophomore slump, except for Nico Collins. He just got hurt. But, you know, they still showcase some promise, and Roy Lopez is having a solid end to his second season. Um, the same as Brevin Jordan to a certain extent. I think that whole entire 2021 draft class, with the exception of Davis Mills, I think next year is going to be a big opportunity on whether or not all of those players can continue to be a part of this organization moving forward. And, you know, I honestly do believe that given the situation that Nick Casario came in with, um, you know, wanting the franchise quarterback wanting out of Houston and it's like, okay, well, if he doesn't rekindle the relationship between him and the Texans, this is Deshaun Watson. You could get just about anything and everything you want. Then unfortunately some all field situations came into play and you had to deal with that for a whole entire year. And kind of like, kind of like what's going on with Houston, right? Got the job, the GM got the job, but then now you look at Russ and Harden, both one now. Exactly. And, and you know, and, and this even goes to the Houston Rockets things, you know, because there were so many, off-field and off-court issues that played into the role of the coaching staffs and the general managers and stuff. I do want to grade every single one of these guys. And I'm saying every single one of the guys because, you know, I cover the Rockets as well. I do want to grade every single one of these guys on the curve. However, John, I just cannot look past the fact that Nick Casario has had several opportunities to where he could have put better talent, better product on that field, but decided not to. That's my biggest issue with Nick Casario right now. I would give him a C plus, you know, if he sticks around for another season and you, you they are stuck going through a coaching search. I'm not going to say the draft because I think he's going to do a damn good job in the draft. But the coaching search and free agency, waiver wire and everything else in between, I'm looking at him. So more so than anybody. Let me let me explain why I go B minus and not a C or in the C's. Based off what you just said, it's hard to come in a situation where you got to wait a whole year to move on from the Deshaun Watson saga because the moment you got here and around, he wanted out. And then you also are taking on a lot of bad contracts in your first two years. So if this was a normal situation, I would probably give, you know, Nick Serial C minus, maybe a D plus, honestly. But I'm fair. And I do think. He's done some good things. Like the, 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 he's done good things for you to the draft and some of these free agent picks. You know, like they thank God they got Steve Nelson on a two year deal. Um, and I think my question now is: Should we allow him the grace of man, your first year? This franchise was bad. Going into your second year, you still have to work on a lot of different things. Um, and, and eventually, we got to talk about the Brandon Cooks. Not moving on from Brandon Cooks. Regardless of what it was, you should have got him out of here. And those are my sentiments on that. So I do think that when we grade him, it does have to be on a curve because the Deshaun Watson era will 
what it was, that saga really hurt this franchise in the potential future. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football, college bowl season, which is kicked off right now, basketball as well, they've got you covered at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to find your betting information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more because BetOnline is where the game starts. Welcome back in Locked On Texans listeners and viewers out there. So at the bottom of the screen, what does it say? College Bowl season is here. And so is the Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud debate. Listen, it's clear, right? Like, no brainer. One of those quarterbacks should be a Houston Texan. Mm-hmm. And listen, I, I got to say this, man. With what I'm seeing out of a former Alabama quarterback that's in the league now, talking about Tua Tagovailoa, mm-hmm. and his issues, whether that's concussions or just taking a lot of these bad hits, I am concerned. I, I'm, I'm super concerned about Bryce Young's size, and not only am I talking about his height, but his just his physique in total. Uh, now, one thing a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, uh, Baby Blue, what he what he tells me is, and, and I've seen it, one thing that separates Bryce Young from the rest of Bama quarterbacks, specifically Tua Tagovailoa, is he doesn't take those hits. Tua has always taken hits. Bryce Young does a very good job of not taking hits. But when I look at CJ and the game against Georgia where if your DBs are just 10% better, you win that game. I thought that was a game for CJ that was a stamp. They didn't lose that game because of him. They were in that game because of him. Uh, He was impressive in that game. He made NFL-level throws. He made NFL-level decisions. He made NFL-level, you know, pinpoint accuracy. Like, what he was able to do against the number one ranked, well, top defense, not, not, not number one, but one of the top defenses in college football was impressive, very impressive. And I want to say this, that throw in the back of the end zone where it looked like he was just trying to get the ball out of his hands and the ball was still catchable for a touchdown after being under duress and pressure may have been one of the more impressive throws of the night for CJ who had plenty of impressive throws and moments from Saturday. I think that when we look at this quarterback position, man, it's not going to be easy. It's not just going to be Bryce Young because when these pro days and combines roll around, specifically these pro days, it's going to get very interesting to see who Houston falls in love with. And that size is what I believe, which I've been told Houston will like in terms of the Bryce Young versus CJ Stroud debate. Um, The size is there, but look, I would love for Either one of these guys to be a Houston Texans quarterback. Um, both You've seen the guys. Brandon Scott video. <laughs> exactly. Both of these guys is going to bring some excitement back to this franchise. But not only that, I think both of these guys um, has the attributes that you want to see out of a potential franchise quarterback that can actually – 
not just bring excitement, but actually get this team back to winnable football. I mean, John, just take a look at this past season. Just go back and take a look at how many one-score losses the Houston Texans had, and a handful of those losses just came due to the inabilities of your quarterback, unfortunately. So I think both of those guys, you throw them in a situation and give them time to develop. A lot of those one-score losses can ultimately result in wins. I'm not too concerned about Bryce Young's size, and I know we're going to get it into this over the next couple of months. I'm not, you know, concerned about Bryce Young's size only due to the fact that, you know, I grew up huge Drew Brees fan. You're talking about one of the smallest guys on that quarterback scales, and you're looking at a guy who finished his career, what, top five in just about every statistical category for a quarterback. And look, I don't I don't think, in my opinion, you could make a top 10, top 15 list of the best quarterbacks of all time and not throw Drew Brees on that list. So that doesn't concern me. However, John, and I want to pick your brain I want to pick your brain throughout these next couple of months about you and CJ because I know your theory about Ohio State's quarterbacks. And you know me, I don't like to listen a lot of times. And I thought for sure Justin Fields was going to come in and be that he's guy from, right. from, from day right. one. And I do believe he's going to be all right. But you do have an interesting theory that Ohio State's quarterbacks, sometimes it takes them a little bit longer to get adjusted to the NFL level if they ever do. Well, yeah, that's not my theory. My theory is they're not good in the NFL. No, but, well, I, I was trying to put it in a more nicer way in terms of CJ, CJ's debate because I do believe he might be the better of all Ohio State's quarterback who has come out so far. I still think it's Justin Fields. I think that CJ can follow up with it. I think that Ooh, really. The, so, so with that statement alone – with yeah, I thought Justin Fields should have been the second quarterback taken in last year's draft. Well, Justin Fields should be in New York. Yeah, and I will 100% agree with that statement. And this is in the situation where the Houston Texans should follow up with the New York just did. Don't go out there, fall for no Will Levis. Don't go out there and mess up this draft. If it's not Bryce Young, then your answer is C.J. Stroud. No doubt about it. And on Sunday, Saturday, C.J. threw for 350 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. And, you know, he got some contribution from his wide receivers. So regardless of who the Texans pick, I think it's okay to say that unless Jalen Carter slides down or unless we see a Houston Texan team make a trade to try to get two top six or seven picks and whatever the case is, Houston should be prioritizing this wide receiver room if they're going to invest in these quarterbacks. I think they already got the tackles to take care of them. You get that offensive line right, maybe through free agency or, you know, improve it in the draft. But Houston has an opportunity to improve this franchise by getting the quarterback situation right in this upcoming draft. I'm glad you mentioned the tackles because a lot of people talk about Bryce Young's size, but he's going to be okay as long as you have Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard protecting him. And Oh, by the way, I am expecting Keon Green to have a much better season in his second year. Absolutely. Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texas podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. And as always, subscribe, like, and comment on YouTube as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, it's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.